Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Now he's giving us a thumbs up? Okay, yeah, absolutely. so we've got the thumbs up yeah. from Tony now. And now, now we're ready. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Glasgow Evangelical Church on this fine, windy day. We're going to start out in Psalm 148. Here's the thing. A lot of mornings I, I just, you know, Google these verses or something and try to find some, some stuff. But this one I actually had some inspiration, and um, I was actually prepared so that we could have the verses up on the screen. So... They will not be up there as of yet, maybe halfway through, but we're going to read uh, Psalm 148 together uh, to get us in the mood uh, for some, some praise this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for all at His command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all his hills, fruits, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations. You princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women, Old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn. The praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. I am excited for this because that is what today is about. Today, Sundays, when we come and we gather together, it is to lift his name. Um, It is not about presentations up on the screen. It is not about the power staying on the entire time. As soon as that happened, I thought, they do this everywhere else in the world with no big, huge screens, no power, no air conditioning, no heating, no government that says it's free for them to do that. Um, So if we have to miss out on the projectors the rest of the day, I think, I think we can still praise the Lord. I think. So we're going we're gonna to do that. So as you guys know, we've been going through the book of Hebrews together. Um, and this week we just get to go through the whole chapter. Um, but as I was kind of going through um, this chapter, I think I've probably rewritten this sermon about three different times because I couldn't figure out where we were going or what part I'm supposed to be looking at until one day I'm sitting around a campfire and we had an amazing conversation about cheese. And it all came together. A sermon came together all because of cheese. Did you know that Kraft Singles... By the way, if you have that picture, you want to go ahead and put that up there for me, Brad? Yes, there you go. Wow, I even got me in there. I thought I said focus on this part. Thank you. Thank you. So, did you know, this is crazy to me, did you know that Kraft Singles 
cannot label themselves as cheese on the package because Kraft Singles is not cheese. But if you read this bottom, it says pasteurized, prepared, get this, cheese product. It can't call itself cheese because if you didn't know, um, there are 17 ingredients that make up this yummy goodness, right? In fact, actually, we were sitting around the campfire and... Um, this is unbelievable because the family that I was with, you know what they call this cheese? They call this cheese yucky cheese. But they ate it every single day, right? And so obviously it wasn't that yucky. But um, man, as, as I was looking at it, I, I started realizing that, I mean, yeah, sure, the first ingredient is milk. Then it goes on for other milk things. And then it just just goes on to weird stuff that makes this. But there is not enough milk or milk product in this for Kraft Singles to be able to tell you that it is cheese. In fact, actually, there was a lawsuit against them that it used to say on here, if you remember well, this used to be called what? American cheese, right? This used to be called American cheese. And then there was a lawsuit that, guess what? We can't call this American cheese anymore. It's just now called American Right there, right on the label, American. <laughs> Always made with real milk, right? I mean, they, they put that on there, but every single thing about this <clears throat> points to that it is real cheese, but it's not. In fact, actually, I did some more research. Did you know that Taco Bell, when they serve you tacos, did you know that actually it is not hamburger? You cannot actually say, I want, like, ground beef in it, right? It's not ground beef. It is actually meat. You just, hey, would you like meat in that, right? There is not enough hamburger in a Taco Bell that they can actually say that this is hamburger, right? There was, in fact, actually a grocery store that was selling hamburger stuff, and they, and it was called, it, they said beef hamburger on there. Guess what? Actually, they had to retract it. They could only just say ground meat because they found out that there was up to 50% of horse meat in it. And if you know anything about England and over there, you can eat horse meat and it's just fine. In America, I guess you can't. So uh, it was a famous grocery store. Um, and they just, the, the crazy thing is, is that we label things all the time, right? Man, this is awesome. American cheese. Guess what? It's not cheese. Not cheese. Might have some cheese things in it, but it's not cheese. And as we go into today's sermon, I thought, man, let's look at this scripture and let's look at the idea that what if we wanted to move past a craft single faith and we actually had what people would go, no, that, that's Christian right there. And so let's read this piece of scripture together and it's found in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Go through the whole entire chapter. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away 
to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and to love that you have shown, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those whose faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham since he had no greater, no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in their disputes and, and in their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge. We have fled for ref those, sorry, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the, t to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There's a lot to unpack in that scripture, and how does it really pertain to craft single faith? Here's the thing right away, the author of Hebrews, and we've already discussed this. We don't know who it is, so we're just going to say it's God. God right away is telling the person who's writing this that, man... We need to move past the faith in which we're sitting in right now. The fact that there were a lot of people who were in Judaism and coming out into Christianity and now their, their faith is just going, what is going on and how are we going to deal with it? And he's trying to tell them, let's move past these things. Because I think just like this craft cheese right here, actually, sorry, not cheese, but this craft singles, I think... We don't need to make it more than it is. I think we can figure out things and move forward and go, okay, let's move to the next thing. But for some reason, we always want to hold on to, hey, what about these basic tenets that we've learned from all along? And so what we're going to do today is just actually go section by section. And I, and I see, if you're taking notes, I see five sections in this whole entire chapter that we're just going to go through. And so the very first part in, in verses 1 through 3, here's the deal. I think the author is trying to get to us that we don't, just don't make it more than it needs to be. When we're going beyond the foundation of faith, we need to make sure that that foundation is simple. We don't need to keep adding to it. We don't need to keep, hey, making it bigger. We don't need to, hey, make it layer upon layer. No, here's the foundation. Now let's move forward. And so let's talk about those foundations. But 
The very first thing in this whole piece of scripture is this, that Jesus says, uh, I'll read this scripture. Let's go back to verses 1 through 3. Thank you. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Very first thing right here, okay? Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. The problem is, is that, the, uh, that God knows that everybody keeps on thinking that they're going to earn their salvation. And so he's trying to tell them that you need to realize that the foundation is this, is that if you're repenting from your dead works, man, have faith in God. That it's Christ's righteousness alone, not yours, that saves us. We cannot earn God's favor. There's no possible way we can. So it makes it all about dead works. That's what he's saying. He's sitting there going, you keep trying over and over again, but it's not going to help you. You do all these works thinking that you're going to be good, but it's not. It's not at all. So let's move past that. Let's move past the idea that you're trying to earn God's salvation, that you're trying to earn his favor. And so if you're taking notes, number one, we we can't earn God's favor. Can't earn his favor. Came across a video that completely explains this the best this week. So here you go. Next. File, please. Mm-hmm. Some lying some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like one time I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Oh yeah, I devoted my entire life to make this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa, I donated blood every month, and I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I, I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. 
sorry. Um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called Grace. Next. I love the elevator music. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not presuming that that's what it's going to be like. But I do know that that movie, that clip, clearly shows that it's not about how good we are. In fact, actually, it uh, goes into this idea that it is faith alone in Jesus Christ that saves us. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. The problem, once again, though, is that we kind of make it, once again, more than it is. And so there's another part where he says in there that he talks about, hey, man, maybe we should go past of instructions about washing and the laying on of hands. And sometimes, like that video said, hey, my mom went to church, or hey, I grew up in the church my whole entire life, or I was baptized, or I went to catechism, or I do communion, or I, I, I've gone to every single, man, Christmas Eve service that there is. It's not about taking, huh, it's not about going through hoops. Sorry, I was going to say taking notes, but it is taking notes right now. You're going to take notes about this. It's not about going through the hoops. Our relationship with God, or with Jesus Christ, is not about going through hoops. You see, when he talks about the instructions about washing hands, everybody wants to go back to, once again, being good. And so how do we be good? Well, maybe we can purify ourselves. Maybe we can be baptized. Maybe we can do communion every single day for the rest of our lives. And which we're going to take communion today, which I just think is, is beautiful because... It goes into the idea that this, this right here, communion, is not what saves us. And we'll get into that later as well. And then there were some of those people that were so interested in the very last part of the reason why we need to have faith. And, and he's talking about, no, let's move out of this elementary thing is this, is that there were people that were so set on the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Right? We've seen churches that have built their whole entire foundation on this, right? That's why we call it, um, man, people were preaching um, brimstone, fire and brimstone, right? These preachers just saying, do you know what's going to happen to you tonight? And maybe adding a little bit of fear. But through every single one of these that he attacks is this. He says, you have to understand that it is only Christ's righteousness that saves you. It's not any of your ceremonial stuff that saves you. It's not jumping through the hoops. It's, once again, Christ who has done all these things. And unless you have Christ at the very end of all of these things to stand with you just like this movie um, portrayed, if you don't have Christ standing before you, man, we are doomed. And so he says, let's move out of this realm 
and into the things that God is asking us to do. And he goes on to say the very last word, which has been really hard for me to kind of come across, but I I really love this, and it's verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. Man, it's actually having a relationship with God to say, God, would you push me in? to spiritual maturity. This isn't something that just happens willy-nilly. It's not something that we just go, okay, I believe in you, and then just go on. No, it's the moment that we just go, God, I want to be with you. Would you permit me to be able to grow spiritually? It takes prayerful consideration to desire to grow spiritually. It pushes us towards perseverance and looking for opportunities. But once he understands that, and once, this, uh, once, once God is writing this, he understands that as soon as we put ourselves in that position, something is going to happen. And that's where we move into the next phase, because here's another thing. Did you know that this cheese melts in like 30 seconds with barely any heat, right? Just put a hamburger on it, and it just melts, which makes a hamburger taste good. But anyway... Real cheese doesn't melt easy. If you've ever put real cheese on something, it it takes forever to melt. And so he goes into this next section, verses 4 through 5. There we go, perfect. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. This is what he's saying. He's saying if you have the real faith that you're moving past this and you're experiencing God and you're asking him, would you please grow me in spiritual maturity? The person that experiences God, it's almost impossible because they know what it feels like. There's a battle between this idea of, well, you're not really truly the faithful, right? We have these people that we've had this huge fight. Do you lose your salvation or did you ever have it? I don't want to go into that. What he's honestly saying is, is if you've put your life in the spot where God can grow you into maturity, if you've tasted it, you won't come back again. Because that means that you've got such a hard heart. And for those who might have come back, guess what? His argument is that you've really never tasted it. You've never tasted what real faith looks like. And so he's actually telling the unbelievers, man, this is a warning. This is a warning. If you continue to, if you continue to not put your faith in Jesus, man, you, you are in trouble. But this is also encouragement for the people that are going strong. And he's saying, you, once you've tasted it, you're not going to go back. You're not going to lose it because you're going to want it more and more. And that's hope, because the very next thing that he, that he talks about is, okay, let's move past that now, now that I've told you guys about this. Then he goes on to say, for land that has drunk the rain, that often falls on it, it 
and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Man, for the people that are growing and showing us spiritual fruitfulness, they have nothing to worry about. It is those who would say, no, my faith is actually fake, which can't really be called faith at all. They need to be concerned. Which is what Jesus says all over the Gospels, right? If you're, if you're not producing fruit, here's what happens. But I love how the author has set this up because he's trying to get us to go, it is and can be a look at actually a little bit of works. But it's not works that save us, it is Christ that saves us and it is out of our desire to please God and to grow with God that we actually work towards his kingdom. It's about bringing his kingdom here, not waiting for us to get into his kingdom. Which switches in verses 9 through 12, and let's read it together. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving saints, as you still do. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So, if you're taking notes with me, be real, not imitations. I don't, I don't want to be cheese product. I want to be cheese. There are some of you who are way holy and you may be Swiss cheese, right? There are some of you in this room that have a spicy personality and you might be jalapeno cheddar, right? There are some of you who are just really sharp, really smart. You might be called sharp cheddar. Ha. Some of you are Colby Jack, a little bit of everything. But I think as we look at this, we need to realize that we need to be real about who we are. Are you just saying that you're cheese and you're really not? Or are you working towards the cultivation? Some of the best cheeses in the world have been aged for years, right? For years. It's not, it's not a quick process. Do you know how quick this is made? Bam. Slide it right out, slap it on, and we're done, right? This cheese can be made in 30 minutes. There might be some of you in this room that's just starting out and you might be cottage cheese. But at least you can call yourself cheese. It takes a process and it takes a, a moment to walk with God and actually be real. And what he's saying in this piece of scripture, in this section, is this. There are those of you who have started to really walk in this faith. And so he reminds them, man, be like the saints who have gone before you. And what do we see from the saints that have gone before us is this. First one is that we love God. That we love God. 
Jesus says it in, the, in a story with it, when a guy comes and says, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. The saints before us, those who, by the way, the saints are nobody special, right? They are people who are following God. It is the church. It is Israel. It is the people. It is Abraham. It is Isaac. It is Jacob. It is Jesus. It is Paul. It is the people that are sitting around you. We grow with one another as we love God. And we love others. We take care of others. We look out for other saints. We're a part of their lives. And as we are a part of their lives, we begin to grow spiritually. Because we maybe cry with them when we need to cry with them. We're joyous with them when, when we need to be joyous. We give sacrificially when we need to. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about giving of ourselves. I think of, um, I think of uh, Romans, Paul, when he says, man, give yourselves as a living sacrifice. We start to love God so much that we listen to him and everything we do is because we love others. Our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our coworkers. And it just keeps spreading. Because as we do that, we have full assurance of the hope. We're not wavering. At any point, if we stop loving God, we need to be afraid. We stop loving others. Man. And I'm telling you that it is hard. It's hard. It's not so easy. We have to fight our sin natures. We have to fight our mind that says, hey, I have to read the Bible because maybe God will be happy with me if I do. I have to do these things in my life because, man, I have to jump through these hoops because at least at the very end, I can say, I did it. I jumped through all your hoops, God. And I can't just see, wait to see how it shakes out at the very end. It's hard. I have to fight my sin nature. I think it becomes easier, though, when we understand this. We understand who God is. And the next piece of scripture that he comes in is verse 13 through 18. And it says this. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is, its fi is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable characters of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We have fled for refuge. Sorry. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. 
And the way that we move on to spiritual maturity is actually not through our own, but is through understanding God a little bit more. Hold on to his purpose. So when it gets hard, we remember his purpose. His purpose is to redeem the world, to send somebody for us. And so when it gets tough, we sit there and go, man, my faith is not in the things that are going on around me, but my faith is in Christ alone. And we remember that his promise is true because it has happened over and over and over again for everybody else, for all the saints that have gone before us. Can you imagine God comes to you and says, man, I just want you to move. I want you to leave everything you've known and I want you to move and trust me because my purpose is good for you and my promise is great. Would you just walk in it? We have a promise-keeping God. Which leads us into the next section, which I'm really excited to be preaching on um, because this Melchizedek guy is incredibly interesting to me Um, because he was a high priest for Abraham. There's a high priest even before the high priest system got set up. And so somebody was listening to God. And so we'll, we'll get excited to follow that, um, to, to go into verses, uh, chapters 7 and 8. We'll talk about fathers next week and then get into Melchizedek the next week after that. But the very last section makes me excited about this. Verses 19 and 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I just want to let you know that there was, when the temple was set up, they used to have this huge curtain, right? And the high priest would walk in and the high priest would have to do everything correct so that God's favor would be upon them. And so, in fact, actually, they were so afraid that that what they would do, so afraid of maybe not doing what was right, they would tie a rope around the ankle of this high priest. And if he ever did anything wrong, right, he would die instantaneously and they'd drag him out and they'd send the next guy in to do it correct, right? And so something that just it amazes me as God goes, well, since you guys can't do it correctly, I'm sending somebody in already for you. Jesus has already gone in there. So where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, becoming a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our whole entire system is based on this, that we have faith alone in Christ alone. which is fitting that today we get to take communion with one another. Because if you've read any of these scriptures, if you've been trying to go through this rat race in life by trying to make sure that God is happy with you in some way or that you feel like, man, I've been running and running and what's wrong with me because things keep happening in my life. I think we need to realize that it's maybe not about that. Because Things happen in this world, and we, we don't know why people roll over in four-wheelers. We don't know why, well, we know why, how we lose electricity, but we don't know why they happen when they do happen. 
We don't know, we don't know why people die all of a sudden when we're like, man, why, why did you? We don't know why people are not kind, why people are not gentle. But we do know who has saved us from all of that. There's not hoops to jump through. That when we trying to, are trying to figure out to be real, we don't need to look to craft singles to help us. We look to the real person. And I hope that my jokes haven't been too cheesy for you today. Thank you, Brad. He, he wrote a note there for me. <laughs> But that today, we get to come and we get to understand that communion is not a thing that saves you. Coming up here today and taking communion is not one of those things that, ah, I've done this and I've marked it off my list. But it is a moment for you to have time with Jesus Christ. He says this, he says, would you remember what I've done for you? Would you remember that the blood of Jesus Christ is what is spilt out for you, is what actually makes you clean? Would you remember that the body broken for you is the complete judgment of me, uh, the complete judgment of all of your sin put on me? And then it changes into something quite amazing for me. Because as we think about that and as we process that, we start to go, maybe I have been a little mature in my, immature in my faith. Maybe I haven't taken this as seriously as I want to be. And I, I would really love to be a really good, man, aged, smoked Gouda. I don't know. But as we go along in this, I think that it is a process of going, would you show me my heart? Psalms 139 at the very end, it says, Search me, O God, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way everlasting. That's what this moment is about, is what communion is about, is asking God to search our hearts and go, God, where am I at that I'm not being mature in? How can I grow deeper with you? Maybe for some of you, it is that you're still having a hard time loving your neighbor. Maybe for some of you, it is finding that time to love God. Maybe for some of you, you have a really bitter heart. And it is this time to be able to say, Jesus, I need you to change my heart. And so use this time as that. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and they're just going to play for us and then they're going to lead us in a closing song after everybody is taking communion. If you can't come forward, Brian and I will be both serving up here. If you, if you can't come forward, uh, would you just raise your hand and Jeff Cole will bring you, um, will bring you communion. But today, this is what I want you to focus on. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is not, <laughs> it is not us doing something for God or making him happy with us. This is my body, which is for you. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. This is the new covenant. It's not the sacrifice. You don't have to jump through hoops anymore. You don't have to find a spotless lamb. You don't have to do anything. You have to realize that faith in me is what covers you. But we do this in remembrance of his goodness so that our lives become about his kingdom. And so for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is you in your heart saying, and I'm proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ in my life. In the midst of all of what's going on about us, in the midst of what's in our heart, we realize that it is Christ alone that saves us. And so Paul warns us and says, let a person examine himself, then examine yourself first, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Once you've sat in your seat and you feel like it is time for you that you've examined enough of your heart and you say, I'm, I'm ready to take, would you just come forward and take communion with us? And you can do that by anything. You can sit on the stairs if you need to and, and, and worship and pray to God. You can take it and go off to the side. You can go back to your seat and just wait for the time during maybe the worship song that we'll be singing afterwards. But don't take it lightly. And our, our thing is, is if parents, you have kids that want to take communion, we ask that, hey, they've accepted Jesus Christ and that you get to possibly lead them in that. It's okay if you don't accept Jesus Christ and you're in here going, I don't want to partake in that. That's okay as well. Don't do it unworthingly. Know what Christ has done for you. Because it's not about earning God's favor. It's not about jumping through hoops. And it's not about wondering where you're going to end up. It's about having faith in Christ alone. I think, um, I, think the, I think the way they labeled this is amazing. Um, it's kind of ironic, right? This is American. That's it. What are you eating, American? <laughs> like, America. So totally put a flag on there. It tastes good. Seems like it's the right thing until you actually look underneath. Let's, let's not be Christian by name alone. We've said this many times, and Seth said it today. Are we American Christian, made by Jesus' product? Or are we Christians, known by Christ alone? One ingredient in our lives, not 17 things that make us up, and if we combine them just right, maybe you'll get something that tastes good. 
Jory, when we, we, we have meetings on uh, Tuesday, and Jory shared how, um, how quickly when you're making a grilled cheese sandwich, you can make them with this. But if you use real cheese, and you have to like, you know, you get the block, and you have to like, like cut it, and if you don't have that exact knife, like you get the weird, and like this side's like this thin, and the other side is like thicker than the bread, right? I know you've done it. And then you put it on, and you're, you're expecting it to be like this, and so you warm up the pan, and you throw it on, and it's, now the bread's burnt, and the cheese is still like going strong. You know, it's not even close to melted yet, so you flip it over, and then that side burns, and you're like, all I did was make burnt toast and cheese. Like, horrible. I think a good way to test if you are maturing in Christ is do you just taste good to the world and do you melt under pressure? Are there too many things that it takes to make your day go good? Or as Seth's last point here, by faith alone in Christ alone. Is that all it takes to give you a good day to hold strong underneath the heat? Normally, this is when I would say, let's pray. We're going to do one thing uh, today uh, where uh, Seth is going to come up and actually pray. We're going to have um, everybody that's going on the Discovering Missions trip because we are leaving this Saturday. If you'd like to come and wave us goodbye, it's going to be at 8 in the morning right here this Saturday. So if you're a part of that, usually when I say that stuff, that's when you should start. Nicole, Kaden, come on, let's go. <laughs> And so if you're here and you're, you're a part of that, come up front. Seth's going to give us a, a prayer, um, and, then, and then we'll close out. All right, let's pray. Hey, God, you tell us to send people out so that you are made famous. And God, uh, that's what I pray that this group does, is that they would desire to be spirit-led, and that they would desire that uh, your mission in this world is done, that people are taught to love you, and that we love others. And Lord, would this group that's going become a tighter-knit group that as they're walking around different places, that people would go, wait a second, they, they love each other and that's weird. That uh, they would see how amazing you are because of uh, your spirit in them. And so, God, would you wreck their lives? And Lord, would you rebuild with your Holy Spirit to show them your mercy, your truth, and your goodness? God, we love you and we praise you and, and thank you that we can be a part of this because we are the church with them. Help us to pray with them. Help us to uh, support them by knowing what's going on with them. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Love you. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.